Welcome back to episode four of The Paper Chase. This is Jack Lavangi. I'll be joined alongside my co-host, Stefan Salon, in a few seconds here. But I want to introduce our first guest. His name is Alan Resnick. And when he's not making movies with Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese, he is an accounting and finance recruiter and one of the best in New England. Without further ado, The Paper Chase with Alan Resnick. to have uh, Alan Resnick with us here. Alan uh, was a former auditor, director of finance and CFO, and he decided to make the jump over to uh, recruiting for accounting and finance about 25 years ago. Alan, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely. Happy to have you. Um, so for, first question for you, Alan, because again, looking at your background, it's always curious for me to, to try and understand how people make the leap from, from accounting to recruiting. How did you go? How did you switch from, from accounting to recruiting here? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you probably more of my background than you're going to want to hear. Oh, but, please. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I think the reality is that, well, I've just celebrated my 25th anniversary here. So uh, at K4. So I, I often joke to people that, you know, my primary job is to convince other people to make job changes when I haven't made a job change in 25 years. <laughs> but I'm more of a do as I say, not as I do. But uh, seriously, uh, you know, it's just kind of getting the big picture of, of what really attracted me into full desk recruiting, and I'll get into how I got into it. But I think it's the the fact that there's just so much opportunity within recruiting itself to have such a positive impact, both on businesses and on other people's lives. And that that's really what originally got me out of accounting uh, as, it, as it was, which, you know, uh, not to say that Accounting isn't a wonderful, noble profession, and that's what I, I, I always try to get people to move from one accounting job to another or into something bigger and better. But for me, um, it was a bit too historical in nature. It, I didn't feel I was having enough impact on the future side of things. And, and that's really what originally attracted me to recruiting. You know, you, you affect people's lives in such a, a profound way, um, uh, you know, and you f affect businesses in a, in a very positive way too. So, so from that aspect of it, from the big picture of it, of it, that's kind of what, what brought me toward it. You know, I, I started my career in, you know, as you said, in, in one of the biggest international accounting firms. I actually was recruited away from my first firm by someone at K-Force <laughs> to, to go <laughs> oh, to. Oh, really? Yeah, well, the predecessor company to K-Force, there were two companies. One was Source Finance, the other was Rollback. I, I came up on the Source Finance side. And my recruiter worked at Source Finance. He called me and said, you know, I, I, I heard that you're going to become a semi-senior. They didn't call it a senior at the time in public accounting. Would you like to be a supervisor in a smaller firm? And I said, wow, that sounds really cool. So I made the move into a... Um, a smaller local firm at the time. I took the bait, and uh, I'm very happy I did it. You know, because uh, I was always more of a small firm kind of. I like to see the big picture, and sometimes with the bigger clients, you really didn't get to see the big picture. You were focused on some of the smaller pieces of things. So, so I um, I made the move, and uh, I got the CPA, and um, you know, I had uh, you know I had I had originally gone from uh, from there into um, uh, you know, made a move from public accounting into industry and wanted to see more of industry, went to a couple of smaller firms that were, as you mentioned, I was a financial leader. And, um, uh, you know, uh, one day uh, I had found, well, these smaller firms didn't really need 
full-time controllers, at least one of them I didn't that I was working on. So I said, you know, there might be an opportunity for me to uh, work a couple of different companies or find other people that would. And so I basically started my own little business of placing controllers one day a week at small companies. And this was back in the in the early 90s. Wait, and this was absolutely random? You just Yeah, yeah, like randomly random. yeah, yeah, randomly started doing that. And I I didn't know what I was doing. So I wasn't that successful. I didn't have a good structure around me. I didn't have, you know, a big firm like K4s with training and everything else to kind of show me what I'm doing right. I kind of learned along the way. Um, but I only did it for a little a little while and then I saw uh, I was I saw an ad that was run by uh, uh, someone over here, Matt Carpax, at the time, over at, at K-Force at the time, saying, hey, you know, join us, be an entrepreneur, you know, run your own business. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. So I, I came into to, uh, to kind of K-Force with that mindset. And that's kind of how, it, it, for me, it, it evolved. For, so it was kind of an evolution from accounting and finance, something that I was good at, but was a little too historical for me, to something where I would have more of an ability to, uh, be more forward involved and a lot more diversity in the work for myself, you know, for me personally. And, and, uh, you know, it kind of was just more of an evolution than one day I said, Oh, I'm tired of being a CFO and I want to do, you know, recruiting. It, it didn't work that way for me. So that that's a long, long story <laughs> to get mm -hmm. to how I got, you know, how I got here. Uh, no, I think, I think that was very helpful. Because I, even though I've been working with you for for two and a half years now, we've never actually had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a so, lot. <laughs> so that was uh, that was good. That was good. I mean, everything in your background is straight accounting, and for you to get into that, that that was really good. So, so my follow up question: Have you ever regretted the move? No, no, not. You know, I, I think, that, well, I guess that's not 100% true. I think during recessionary times you say, oh, man, I, you know, or, or wow, if, if I had, it would be more of if I had stayed in the big accounting firm and made a move into a giant company as a CFO and then I could be kicking back with my legs in isolation and COVID on a beach somewhere uh, in retirement, that might be the only, uh, the only possible uh, regret. But I don't think there really is any regret. No, I, I this, there's, for me, it was always um, the, there's always opportunity in something like this to, you know, what you put into it, you kind of you get out of it, you know. And uh, in recessionary times, you have to put in more to get out, you know, more, but or the same. But um, uh, but no, I, I don't have any regrets about my move at all. Well, speaking of recessions, um, how are you seeing our current situation right now compared to? Uh, how many recessions have you gone through, Alan, in this business? Uh, this is I, three or four. I kind of, I don't, I don't. I guess the question is what the, you know, how's this recession different? Um, to, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I think the big thing is that, uh, you know, in, in an economic-driven recession, uh, I think previous recessions were really more economic-driven, where everything ended and companies stopped, which isn't the case at all right now. I mean, this is a health-nature-driven recession, so. In those previous times, you really would have to work like 10 times as hard to make things happen. So jobs and hires and placements, they would still happen, but you needed to work very, very hard to make it happen by, you know, heavy candidate marketing, by sending applicants to possible jobs, constant phone calls, you know, actually things we should always be doing in good practice, but you just those, those should do's became must do's. You know, and and um, I think the difference now is more of a shift in focus 
at least for us here in the Northeast, you know, unlike in the previous recessions where hiring almost completely stopped, that isn't the case today. Certain industries obviously have frozen and, and the level of unemployment of blue collar professionals is devastating, but that's not the world that in which we at K-Force really have ever focused on or made placements within. And the consumer demand is still out there big time, you know, especially in industries that cater to that demand. Plus, you know, the huge government investment in the Small Business Administration right now and other projects. And I assume future stimulus packages probably will also come in too, and that's going to drive hiring as well. So, you know, we can shift our focus. You know, maybe we aren't making placements in the travel industry right now, but instead we have more placements in the retail, food, and biotech, and healthcare industry. You know, we're still making placements in residential real estate industry uh, and in financial services. It's, it's as if these industries weren't even touched by the pandemic in some ways, you know. So uh, the information-based companies have just moved their employees to work on their computers at home instead of in the office. You know, otherwise, nothing has really changed for them. Um, and so the other thing is I think there's a general optimism, I, I think, that everyone has a kind of basic knowledge that ultimately things are going to get better, you know, um, that there might be a lot of loss or pain along the way, but eventually things are going to get better. So the severity of what we go through is going to differ and everyone involved in here is going to be affected differently. And there could be several huge bumps in the road um, because COVID is a virus and human nature doesn't always work in our favor with combating a virus. But, um, but if you look at history, previous pandemics have always had a second phase. It was rough and, and, but things ultimately get better. And science is also much better now. And so, you know, there's a hope that, uh, uh, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be past us. We don't know the timing, but, you know, it will be. So um, if you could elaborate a little bit on, on shifting the focus. As we mentioned, us in, North, in New England, Northeast, we have an opportunity to shift our focus. And the way that I, that, that I read that is focusing on different industries. You, you alluded to a couple. Where do you think recruiters today, uh, whether they're working with candidates, whether they're working with their clients, where should they be focusing their energy and attention and trying to continue their book of business? Well, I think I think it's just more of the same. I think that the, the the difference is just in terms of in terms of the industry. I mean, that's the one nice thing about about the recruiting industry, and, and you know, I, and we did this recently. We, we've you know with uh, with a major government project, you know. Um, where the business is is where you you can shift the focus. You know, we don't have the type of infrastructure where we we only have to work in the travel agency or the re restaurant placement. So it's not what we, you know, we we work in finance and accounting. That's our side. Obviously, the other side is is tech and you know flex and, and versus versus perm or search. But but you know we are able to move on a dime depending on where the business is. So. Um, I think we just keep an eye on what the where where the trends are, where where growth is happening, where things haven't um, declined, and you know, and and employ or deploy the same tools that we've always used uh, in in those in those areas. So my my view in in terms of what I've seen out there right now is, you know, there's a tremendous opportunity, huge with different um, government support areas. There's a huge opportunity uh, for um, for industries, I think we've talked about this separately on on uh, on retail. You know, uh, there's probably going to be a huge opportunity, and there's going to be a huge opportunity continuing uh, in in biotech and, and healthcare and, and pharma and those areas. We're seeing placements being made in those areas regularly. Uh, so, um, you know, that's where 
that's where we focus. Financial services, again, I mean, you know, the market's a tad unpredictable. Uh, but, um, you know, I think I, I'm not an economist. I do spend a lot too much time reading stuff. But, you know, if, if the government is pumping trillions of dollars into the economy, um, you know, some of that's going to result in some inflation. People are going to put the money somewhere. Those that aren't, aren't spending the, to live day by day. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, this stuff is needed because so many people and so many companies are falling, are falling apart from this right now. So, um, but again, we just, we just have to be keen as to where the, the hot areas of growth are and, and, and focus on those areas and help direct some of some very, very talented people from industries that may be very hard hit right now <clears throat> into industries that aren't that hard hit, aren't, aren't as hard hit or are growing. Now. What kind of changes do you think a lot of these companies are going to implement now that we've proven that we can work uh, remotely? Do you think a lot of companies will offer a couple of days a week to work remote just because they've seen it? You know, it is it is something that's that, that may work. Me, me personally, yeah, absolutely. I think the last few months have taught us all, you know, a lot about practicing hygiene and uh, hand washing and distancing. I think people are a lot more attuned to that. And I think from a, you know, from a business perspective, I think the social distancing thing is going to create, create tremendous demand for new products and services. Um, you know, you know, who would have thought that we would be buying face bags, face masks, masks by the millions of billions, you know, this year. So new demand creates new businesses. And there's an old expression that I love. I remember uh, in, uh, in certain cultures, I think even in Chinese, the word for crisis is the same word for opportunity. So, I think there will be a whole new range of industries related to health and safety that will come from this. I think we as a company are doing a tremendous amount of work with, uh, uh, you know, uh, different aspects. And, and I think people are going to be working from, from home. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, I think that we're going to just see, uh, it works. I mean, it, it can work remotely when you're, when you have to, and when you have the infrastructure set up, it can work well. Uh, and I just think the, the future is going to be, that, that this is going to be more of the norm than the exception, I think, in terms of in terms of the remote work. You know, uh, that's what I, I think. I think it's, it's here to stay. Now, what other kind of opportunities is this situation going to bring to recruiters in general? Right, I, we're getting to be more consultative with with the candidates we're speaking with, and also with the clients because we're kind of on the front lines when it comes to you know what's going on and what the trends are. Are there any other opportunities that you've seen that uh, you've aligned with yourself? Uh, in the industry since uh, since being put, you know, quarantine and, and the situation in general. Yeah, I I think I think one of the things that um, uh, you know that this has done for all of us is it's it's everyone's kind of in the same boat here, you know, um, you know. So th there's there's a real opportunity I think to connect very very well with people right now, more much more so than ever in the past. I mean. You know, you, I might not have, I don't have a situation where I have little kids at home, but I have big kids at home. And so the distractions are there in different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's kind of thrown into something very, very quickly. And so there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to really be empathetic uh, and understanding with, uh, with both your clients and candidates with people and there's a strong understanding that you know we're kind of all in this in this together whether or not you know you agree on the political side or the virus side or whatever it is we're still facing the same thing where we're not going to our favorite restaurants we're not able to do certain things and it's it's an it's an issue it's a big issue that uh that we all you know we're all able to kind of 
understand where everyone's coming from. So for that purpose, for that reason, I think that um, there's a real opportunity for, for people to reach out on a, on a, on a person to person basis to, um, to, to really, you know, to really connect on that, on that level. And I think once you're connecting with people on that level, then the, the consultative side just comes, comes naturally. And, you know, there's a lot more trust. There's just a lot more trust. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because we, we talked about that in an earlier episode and the fact that there's so much vulnerability now around day-to-day conversations, right? You know, to your point, we're all in the same boat and conversations have become a lot more empathetic, right? You can hear the, the kid crying in the background. You can hear the chaos in the background. And, and it, it's not as uncomfortable as it used to be before, right? People used to be embarrassed when, when you can hear their kids are crying, but now just like, ah, eh, well, my kid's gonna start crying in a second too, so I guess we're all the same here, kind of a thing. Um, and, and you would think that it would lead to better relationship building, but my fear is, and I'm, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts around that too, my fear is, are we going to see that go away once we quote unquote get back to normal? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think like anything, this is, it's an opportunity right now to really connect with people, you know, and I, I think that even as we get back to normal and normal may not be that fast, right? You know, we don't know how, how long this normal is going to be, but we're all kind of moving along together right now, very similarly, which is very unusual. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's highly unusual that you're going through some of the same stuff that everyone else is going through at the same time. That's, that's the one talk about crisis opportunity. That's the one thing that we all can understand that we're kind of in together on this. You know, when, when the world opens up again, there are going to be some people that have a certain level of tolerance for risk that are going to be more likely to step out into that world more than others, you know, and there might be some divergence there, but you know, you know, for the most part, I just think that that this there's going to be quite a while that that we're going to be going through different phases of this new normal until things get back to as new normal as it possibly can be for all of us. So I think there's this is this is this is not something that just because you know in our state a lot of things are opening up on uh, this coming Monday and then some things in June and you know other states have opened up at different different time frames. It it it. it this is something that's still going to take a long time for us to all kind of get get through. So, so I think there's an uh, there's still an opportunity, and there's going to be an opportunity uh, for for a while for for us to to maintain that um, you know that connection with with mm-hmm. people we, we're close we're close to on the business side, and, and you know applicants and, and clients. I think that you're going to see a lot of people taking less for granted now. And I think human interaction is going to reflect on that. I think we haven't had much human interaction to a, to a certain extent. I think people are going to be a lot more congenial with everyone. You know, we haven't really talked to anyone outside of uh, Zoom conferences or phone calls or things like that. I think hopefully people will, will come together in that respect. I haven't taken granted a lot when stuff started to open up. I just waited an hour at Starbucks on Saturday to get a pineapple matcha. <laughs> and it was awesome. And I'd do it again. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it it's this is gonna this is gonna be something that uh, there's gonna be a, a real need for real need for for hugs down the line. Although I don't think we're in that business. But <laughs> you started in recruiting. You've been doing it for 25 years or so. But then there's a little bit that that we didn't necessarily get into. It's kind of kind of switching gears some. Uh, acting. You, yeah. You've been you've been acting for for how long now, Alan? Well, uh, I. 
I actually, uh, um, I probably could spend longer talking about the acting stuff. Than the stuff. <laughs> um, you know, as far as my hobby, I mean, that, that just, that just kind of evolved. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, way back when I was a young kid, I'll start way back there, you know, in yeah. middle school, junior high school, I watched a musical performance by high school students and I was just blown away. So a friend of mine dragged me into an audition for like a summer theater program and I got some stage work and, you know, I didn't get the part, but I worked behind the scenes and, you know, eventually I, I kind of moved on within high school. When I was in high school, I became president of the drama club. I did a lot of plays and I was never uncomfortable in front of a crowd and I was always a decent singer. So it was, um, so for musicals, I, I, it was something I enjoyed, you know, and, um, and I was surrounded in high school. I was lucky to be at a high school in New Jersey with some very talented kids. One of my classmates went to Yale to be a playwright. Another two moved to Los Angeles. One was on a regular soap opera in the early 80s. Another co-starred on Footloose. And so, oh. you know, so it was like a high school interest of mine was, was drama. And then, you know, then I didn't touch it for years. I went, you know, went to college and went into business. And for 10 years, I didn't do anything at all with it. And after my second child was born around... 1995 or so, uh, I, for fun, I thought I would join a local community theater. I did. And, um, you know, uh, one of the guys in our theater group was an older gentleman who I knew was in the Screen Actors Guild he, because we, people talked about it. We, he was an actor. He's an actor. He's in the movies. And then one day, just coincidentally, I was watching the film Amistad, Spielberg film in 1997 or so and he and he was this guy was right up front and center you know because he has a really good look to him he looked like a, a Gloucester fisherman and so um, uh, but the guy couldn't act for anything I mean the guy was like completely untalented he just looked good you know and that's what I learned I think a lesson from that was sometimes you just have to be right for the thing you have to look yeah. good. you have to look you have to look you have to have some one talent one skill one, yeah. something you can be born with it you know life may not be fair if you're born with it so um, but uh, you know then like I did like five plays over the next ten years didn't do that was it just plays but one of my friends in the theater group there said you know we should go try to get into the movies and so I said all right and she was doing something in the movies and then I saw there was an ad for a uh, an open call for a new film called The Departed so I missed I missed the audition call but I sent like my little resume and followed up on that and then uh, they, they called me to come in and uh, you know we did a we did a scene and unfortunately after we filmed it the the movie was released that, that scene was completely cut it never made, <laughs> never made the film but um, but it, it was the first time I you know but I, that experience was just so great. I was walking off of a train, a T a a train with Leonardo DiCaprio behind me, walking right toward the camera. And then there was Martin Scorsese sitting there. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is the first time I'm ever doing extra work. Wow. I'm getting, I'm getting wow. paid on a Sunday morning to do this. I have Martin Scorsese right there. I'm, wow. There's a camera right in front of me with a big 35 millimeter spool of real yeah. film on top of it. I'm thinking, my knees are shaking. I said, oh my God, you know, and then there's hundreds of other people. I was just lucky to be picked to be toward the front for this particular mm -hmm. scene because I looked like a doctor and they wanted a doctor from near a hospital scene that began to cut. <laughs> so that was another thing I learned. You know, you, you, you can use this for business too. He said, you know, you're, you, you could do the right things and do everything right. And it may not result in anything, <laughs> you know, it's a process that's really important. And then the process was a phenomenal experience and it was such a great adrenaline rush for me. I said, well, I've got to do this more. I said, but I also thought, 
well, is every film going to have Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese in it? No. But still, that's what I did. So I've, I've worked on about, I was fortunate to, 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 you know, film came to Massachusetts and Rhode Island and was fortunate to get into a number of different films. And, you know, uh, it doesn't take as much time as you might think it does. I think of, of the, uh, you know, of the 40 or 50 films that I had worked on. I mean, there, it's like a half a day here or there. And so over wow. 15 years, it's, you know, I mean, it, it, it's four or five days a year of, 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 of time. But, um, uh, but it, it, I was able to get into the Screen Actors Guild and you get more calls from that. You know, so I've, I've been in a lot of different, uh, you know, different, a lot of, a lot of different scenes and a number of different major films and commercials and music videos and things like that. So I try not to, I try not to highlight it too much with my applicants uh, because I want to be seen as a recruiter and not as a want to be star. But, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been a blast. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun little, it's a fun little release. You know, it's like, it's like any hobby, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, some people enjoy fishing. Some like to golf. You know, I need to get my fix every once in a while to get on a movie set. That's my kind of thing. Yeah. So, so for you, it's always been just a hobby. You've never thought about, hey, can I turn this into uh, a profession? No, no. There was never a point where I said I want to give up recruiting for this ever. But I mean, there were times when I was like, I really, I really need to get my acting fixed now. You know, I got to get, I got to get out there and play. You know do that and and you know it's it's fun and the other thing about it is that it's film is and tv is so integral to american culture you know everyone's always talking about it you know what they watch in this film or that film good or bad so it's it's fun to be a part of that and really see it behind the scenes even if it's in a tiny way you know and i always drive my family crazy because every time we're watching a movie or a tv show i say you know even one that i didn't work on if, if someone i worked with is on it i'll say hey hey there's one of my coworkers," or hey i worked with her or, or if i see denzel washington and something i'll say hey that's my coworker Den. <laughs> so they hate me but um <laughs> But it, it, you know, it does, it does somewhat ruin the magic of film for me a little bit, you know. Uh, because you've been on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I spend too much time watching a film, looking at the lighting or the angle to shot, yeah. or the duration or the editing, and I spend too much time looking at the, you know, the background, looking what they're messing up in. It's, but uh, it takes some work for me to get sucked back into the story. But, uh, uh, but it doesn't ruin movies for me. But it does take some of the. Change, it changes the perspective. It's too scientific for you. Yeah, it becomes. Yeah, it, it takes. It gives you another perspective. It's another thing. It's like it gives you another perspective to to understand, you know, to understand where where things are, you know. And mm -hmm. What you see isn't always what's real, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for 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 the new recruiter out here that you know they're either just getting started, how did they get their careers to be twenty five years in this space? Well, I you know I think just keep learning, you know. Um, you, you, you're the, the thing that, that, uh, you know, when I started, I didn't think I was going to be here 25 years. I was thinking, Oh, am I going to make it six months? <laughs> am I going to make it eight months? Am I, <laughs> I going to make it, you know, if I can make it a year, you know, and then every recession, you think, Oh my gosh, you know, it's just a reset. What's going to happen. But, um, but I think the, the great thing about recruiting is that it, it, there, there are so many times you haven't seen, you, you almost say, well, I haven't seen this before. <laughs> you know, there, sometimes there are complexities. You say, oh, my gosh, I didn't see this one before. Or I haven't seen this in a long time. You know, there's a lot of interesting 
interesting things that you're constantly learning. You're learning about businesses all the time. You're learning about trends in businesses all the time. You're learning about different personality styles. You learn what make people tick. You're you're involved in people's lives. I mean, and you, you know, uh, I'm currently, believe it or not, I'm working with the the son of a guy that I placed back in 1995. So I'm yeah. now in a second generation of, of of people that I've worked with, which is kind of crazy, you know. So. Um, so that's 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 uh, you know that, that's kind of a, a big part of it for me. Yeah. So really looking at the big picture down the road, right? One of the yeah. one of the coworkers that we have, she has a a little note on her desk that says, "It's not about the transaction; it's about the relationship." And it's easy to say that, but to be able to say, you know, I placed somebody twenty um, something years ago, and now I'm working with his son trying to place him too. I mean, that's that's pretty big. That's major. Yeah, yeah. There's one individual I work with. I've, I've actually placed him five times in his career. He's doing very well for himself. It's not like they, they, were, they were all excellent jobs. He's, he's a CFO somewhere right now, so it's, yeah. it's not. But uh, you know, at the time they were the right moves for him. You know, and they, they they helped elevate him and step him up to the next position that he stepped into. So, you know, there's there's stories like that you get to you get to see over time. But you know, it, it every every day can be different. Every day's a learning experience. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of what you, what you put into is what you get out of it. That's the other great thing about it. Now I'm going to hold your feet to the fire a little bit here, Alan. You ready? All right. What kind of music is Alan Resnick listening to in quarantine? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I anticipated this question. I don't really, you're not going to believe this. The only music I really listen to quite a bit, I mean, show tunes, but I don't listen to them now, and and because I would I would <laughs> you would see me on the highway singing uh, to the to the radio or to the to, to CD or whatever it was or the iPod, but um, uh, no, I I really don't listen enough to music right now at all, um, and uh, because I'm not commuting right now, so you know in the office I would listen to whatever people would listen to, and it was a cacophony of different music and different yeah. styles all the time. So then, what would you suggest as a show? Well, anything where I can sing in a nice baritoner, I don't know. <laughs> there are parts all over the place, you know. <laughs> Men of La Mancha, Les Mis. That's awesome. Well, this was fun, Alan. I really enjoyed the conversation. I, I enjoyed hearing your background, how you got started recruiting, your perspective around what's going on as far as the recession is concerned, and the differences between what we're dealing with now, what we've dealt with in the past, and and more importantly, what, what it what we can get when you're building strong relations with people long-term. Um, I'm hoping that people who are actually listening to this are taking that to heart as well. Um, Alan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll talk to you again, my friend. Thank you, Stefan. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Alan. Jack. Thanks, Jack. For Alan Resnick and Stefan Salon, I'm Jack Levangie. This is The Paper Chase. Mm-hmm.